Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, let me stay with the weather for a moment because that status yellow ice warning. It's a place actually for the entire country, uh, which uh, met Aaron say uh, will lead to icy stretches, hazardous driving conditions, and it is remaining in place until 12 noon today. Uh, so t- temperatures are still quite low. Um, I mean, I'm looking where on my watch, it's showing zero degrees at the moment. So there isn't much of a thaw there at the moment. So you do need to be extremely careful when you're out and about. about because I looked out the window this morning. I was I was up before six, looked out the window, thought it was grand. Oh, we did get a very hard frost last night. That's fine. And then as I was heading out the door at about quarter to eight to go to work, suddenly realised from inside looking out, my car looked fine. Of course, when I got out there, there was just a sheet of what looked like compacted ice on the windscreen of my car. So all the de-icing procedure had to go uh, underway. And then I realised as I was walking out uh, to de-ice the car, underfoot was quite, quite icy. So be uh, uh, careful. And I know in the last um, hour or half an hour, there was a text in from somebody to say that the approach roads to Lismar Village are lethal, according to this listener. The village itself is lethal, particularly down around the school. Some grit is badly needed. And this time yesterday, we were getting calls and texts in from parents who were talking about uh, footpaths and roads leading to schools, in particular the Gwail Skull Tomostovich in Mallow, uh, because the entry to that school is down a very sort of a narrow road. It used to be an old boreen. And one of our listeners, one of the mums yesterday was saying she didn't realise how bad that road was going to be until she drove up the road to drop her child off to school. And she said it literally was like a sheet of glass. And she said it was so bad that she ended up sitting in her car for a half an hour before she came down the road because she was fearful of skidding. And obviously children were coming up the road to go to school. So she actually sat in the car and waited. And she said she couldn't believe that the council had not gritted that road. So we got on to the council to ask them uh, about what is the procedure around gritting roads and footpaths, particularly around schools. And they've come back to us and they've said it should be noted that it is not feasible to treat all public roads and footpaths. I think everybody accepts that. I mean, they, we literally don't have the resources for that. So they say that routes have been designated a priority rating of between one and three. And it's based upon the road classification, the traffic volumes, public transport usage, etc. And obviously priority one then would be the main road. So they're the ones that they give the top priority two and priority. Um, so priority one and priority two uh, routes, they are the ones that are normally 
pre-salt it during low temperatures as is the case at the moment and then P3 routes and I'm assuming they are probably the ones that lead to a lot of our schools they're currently being post-salted which is what they do in daytime which wouldn't have helped early yesterday morning when the children were being dropped off to school but they say that that's only done where resources allow they do say that every effort has been made to treat areas fronting schools on are very close to the designated routes to reduce the likelihood of ice uh, forming so uh, but, but that a number of people yesterday I saw on social media on the Mallow Act of Kindness page last night there was people complaining about that Gwaleskull in Mallow and how bad the roads were uh, yesterday and a number of people were pointing out it's very close to the routes to a road that is salted by the council could they not just turn off go up the road and salt around the school which would keep everybody safer so just be careful as they say we still have that uh, status yellow ice warning in place and say remains in place until 12 o'clock uh, today. It looks like it's going to be another chilly day tomorrow but the weekends then the weekend coming the temperatures are certainly going to increase. John Paul taking your calls 0818 103 103 texts and whatsapps also available at 086 103103 and the case the very sad case of that gentleman who we now know is uh, t- was uh, Timmy o- O'Sullivan who was found in Mallow uh, last Friday just a little under uh, a week ago that case still making the papers today and actually we're going to be talking we're kind of around the case uh, today on the programme and what can we do to protect other older vulnerable people to make sure that you know we don't see more of that happening that we don't discover more people found dead in their homes may, maybe you know weeks months I mean it's, I know this is a really extreme case the fact that he was found uh, 20 years later and Ralph Regal once again writing about in the Irish Independent today and he's saying residents of um, Mallow uh, some have come forward and have offered to try to raise money to bury uh, Tim O'Sullivan we know now that he was a native of uh, Kerry and it seems that the Gardaí have traced some distant relatives and they were able to do that through old documentation which was found in his uh, house where his uh, skeleton remains were found last Friday. It's understood family members in Kerry had repeatedly tried to find Mr O'Sullivan over the years and they were concerned for his welfare but they had been led to believe that he had simply returned to the UK either 2001, 2002 and it now looks like that would have been around the time that uh, Mr Sullivan uh, passed away. They also made attempts to find him in areas of the UK where he had lived and all of that obviously failed. Letters and other documents were discovered in his house last uh, weekend and seemed they were instrumental in helping the Gardaí to identify who Mr Sullivan was but also to trace some of his cousins who were still living in uh, Kerry. But residents uh, and particularly imagine people living close by his home in uh, Beecher Street, deeply shocked by the fact that the body had lain undiscovered for 20 years. And local people seemingly have offered to start a GoFundMe campaign to help with the funeral expenses. Now, if we get any details of that GoFundMe campaign, we certainly will bring it uh, to you. Cork Gardaí have liaised with their colleagues in Kerry, as well as with the police in the UK, to try to trace as many known relatives of Mr O'Sullivan as they they can. Because, of course, it is possible that... 
where there's distant cousins in Kerry, there is possible that he could, say, have siblings still in the UK because we know that Mr O'Sullivan was a native of Carisivine, but his entire family moved to the UK when he was a teenager and that was in the 1950s. So it is possible that he might have siblings uh, still alive in uh, England. He then went to, obviously when he moved over as a teenager, I'm assuming he went to school in the UK, but he certainly worked most of his adult life in the UK. Although it is understood that he did make reg- regular trips back to Ireland and he bought that the small little house where he was found on Beecher Street in the early 1990s and that's when he decided to move back from the UK. Why he settled on Mallow and not going back to Carisivine, uh, nobody knows. It is believed that he died sometime between 2021 and 2022 and there the reason that everything points to that is because there was letters in the house dated around that time. There was newspapers from that time. And of course, there was food wrappings which were found in the uh, fridge. Now, when he did go missing, neighbours in the area, because he'd been a quiet man, kept to himself, but they did believe that he'd moved back to the UK and therefore the property was empty. And it is understood that friends had called to the property and had been knocking on the door um, weren't getting an answer then they were thinking the same thing oh he's must, he must have gone uh, back to the UK uh, but certainly anybody who called to try to you know check on him or, or call, were calling for a visit um, none of them wanted to force uh, entry and they simply left uh, particularly when they were informed that you know that people believed that he had gone to the UK so as I say if anything comes up on that GoFundMe page I certainly will bring it to you but of course I think the big story now and the big issue now is you know how do we stop it ever happening again I did see that the Mallow based councillor uh, Liam Madden speaking with Anne Murphy in the examiner today he's saying in you know to try to make sure that this never happens uh, uh, again that maybe in the future situations where somebody suddenly stops collecting say social welfare or they stop paying their utility bill or they stop attending medical appointments for example that that would trigger some kind of alert and that people then would really go and the powers that be would go and check to make sure that everything is okay so some kind of a, a trigger system uh, may be needed and can I say hi to a very special set of parents Kevin and Jenny Maloney of New Road in Donnery. Wait for this. They're celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary today. Isn't that an incredible achievement? 50 years of wedded bliss. And their daughter Linda has been on to us to say, uh, could we say hi to Kevin and uh, to Jenny? Also, sons Kevin and Ray and all of the family. And no doubt there's much celebrations planned. And uh, today is going to be a special day for Kevin and Jenny Maloney, New Road in Donnery. Congratulations to you. Premier League Live is back on C103.i with Trevor Welch happening this Saturday from midday powered as always by Talk Sport we'll be bringing you live coverage of Liverpool versus Chelsea that's at 12.30 West Ham taking on Everton at 3 and then Crystal Palace they're taking on Newcastle and that's at uh, 5.30 on Saturday that's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen you can listen Saturdays on the C103 app you can go to c103.ie and thank you to a chef who contacted us yesterday uh, we had a listener who was on to us they had been, she'd been out with a group of there were seven in total they'd gone into a restaurant in the city kind of a family event and there was a couple of things went wrong and they really weren't happy with their day out uh, at all but one of the main things was that the, the caller's niece had ordered a steak well done and when the steak arrived there was blood running out of it and the niece couldn't eat it and they had to call over 
over the waitress to say sorry I ordered my steak well done manager was called manager got a bit huffy about it all and saying do you know how, how much this is going to cost us uh, you know intimating that they were going to have to start from scratch and cook up a new steak and I've said that I found that hard to believe that surely if a, if a steak is you order it well done and it arrives and it's underdone or medium rare that you just put it back on the frying pan and put it under the grill and, and that you bring it up to you give it an extra however long it will take to make sure that the steak is well done and I was asking if there was any chef out there could tell us what would normally happen if an undercooked steak came back surely you wouldn't put it in the bin and start from scratch so a gentleman and I don't unfortunately have a name on this but a gentleman contacted us who's been chefing for nearly 50 years so he's a man who knows the business he says he has never ever replaced an undercooked steak with a new one he said yes Patricia you're absolutely uh, right Uh, you would put the original steak back on the grill and then you'd replace it with fresh veg. Now, he says you would have to put on a fresh steak if the original order that you got it wrong the other way, that you overcooked it and somebody had asked for a rare or a medium rare. You'd have no choice then, but you'd have to put on a fresh steak. But in the case of an undercooked piece of steak, you simply put it back on the the grill and then replace it. He also said to start from scratch and put a new steak onto the pan and start to cook it to well done it would be totally inconvenient to the customer because they'd have to wait longer for that fresher steak to uh, cook so thank you for that uh, somebody calling us yesterday this is Cork Today on C103 email Patricia now with your story or comment Cork Today at C103.ie now, oh, by the way, the National Ambulance Service are experiencing an increase in emergency calls this morning for people who have fallen on ice. Uh, so please be very vigilant for icy uh, patches while out walking or cycling um, because some of the footpaths really are lethal at the moment and there really isn't a thaw out there, particularly why that status uh, yellow ice warning remains in place until midday. So if you need to take, go out and about and you can delay until later on, that's what I'd suggest you do. Now, according to senior county council officials, no amount of extra road workers will fix the abundance of potholes because inadequate government funding and climate change are causing the problems. The comment was made during a discussion by North Cork councillors who were complaining about the current condition of many of our roads and one of those taking part was uh, Fianna Fáil councillor Deirdre O'Brien uh, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. I mean, are the council officials correct here? We simply do not get enough funding here in Cork to maintain our huge road network. Yeah, that is certainly an issue. That arose out of um, a report that was carried out by Aero there last year, and what year before it's at this stage. And um, it just showed that our road network, like when you see here, like there's only, we make up about 20% of the country. Like we, we have a big road network down here and that is a huge huge problem like there's 20 yeah we, we doubled the population we've more than doubled the population of 21 to 31 local authorities in ireland and we're only getting the same funding going around so look, we've been trying to meet ministers and discuss this and get this reviewed like it's it's we can see for years i suppose i suppose the downturn i was saying there even that the money reduced because the funding wasn't there and you can see the impact it had on our roads it just we weren't um, doing we weren't doing our drainage. So my argument with the way the roads are at the moment is the water on the roads. We need to be cleaning out our drains and opening up inlets. Take the water off the road. Like um, I suppose I've seen a lot lately now where we're putting in new roads 
and a week later there's heavy rain and the water lodges on the road. So Nick Ritchie with pothole opening up on a new road. And like over Christmas, I suppose it looks like that. The weather, we've unprecedented rainfall. We were told that we had only 65% of our rain fell at, up to the end of October. So we were going to get the next 35, which we did in November, December. We're mm. shocking altogether. Yeah, I mean, we're coming so, out of a very wet uh, period and, you know, we're well above normal uh, rainfalls. I mean, you know, yeah. we, can we point the finger of blame at climate change as well? Well, look, there is a lot of it there. You can see the way our weather is going. And, you know, as I say, we need to deal with this. You know, that like I still think it's water on those. I've been advocate about getting water off the road since I got elected because I, I know myself when water's on the road, it's going to erode the road. Like mm-hmm. I've seen, like I, I've never seen the road so bad. Um, now I have to say since the council came back to work, there's a lot of work done, but there's a lot to do. Yeah. Even now, see, the side of roads have just new roads. The one near me here, the road, new road I need. The whole side taking away water running down the hill and then crossing over the road, making a channel on the road. So it's so dangerous for drivers. And like a lot of our accidents are um, from water on roads, you know, so we can't but do tolerate they, that. Do the council work with landowners to try to solve some of the problem of water running off private lands and onto roads. Well, this is what I was saying on Monday at the meeting. Like I said, you know, um, stakeholders need to come together, need to kind of, I suppose, look, farm packs have changed over the years as well. It's just been taken out and, you know, and trees, like we say, less soakage area. So I think something has to be done because there, that is an issue. There is water flowing onto roads. And, OK, there's some things you just can't help it, but there are other areas that can maybe be mitigated. So I do think... We do need to be talking. The stakeholders need to come together and sit down as because everybody uses the road. Everybody has to use roads, so we need to be finding our roads. Would like to say, but would would it help? Would it help if we had more outdoor staff? Because whenever I mention outdoor staff, uh, I mean I know I think that the last time I did an interview uh, on it, it was it was there's a 33 percent fall in outdoor staff in in recent years, and there's a gentleman who regularly listens to the program who was an ex council man, and he says the man with the shovel is missing. Uh, How many times do we have to be told we've got to get the water off the road? Which is exactly the point you're making. Yeah. It's like when we go to the road, there's only so much money available and the money is put into the start of the road and the work is getting the road. The drain, the money should be in the drainage. Like, and you say, Council staff, like, we ended up running out of a budget in for my municipal district in December. So there was no work supposedly being carried out because they just had no budget in the, the district. And they, and the staff went on holidays. And I found, like, I got a lot of calls during Christmas saying there was bad craters and road people burst at the amount of actually burst tire pictures in my phone and wheel buckles for people sending me and I used to report them into the emergency line but you see the money wasn't there it, they couldn't bring their staff on emergency but they weren't getting the calls because there was no money for them to pay them so the, and, and so you, must, the you must have huge sympathy for the motorists who are doing damage to their oh, vehicles yeah. oh my god yeah I got loads yeah like the cost of that like a tire starts at 82 you could be up to 300 euro yeah. you know for people like and a, a buckled wheel a new wheel yeah oh definitely there's, there's people I felt so sorry for them because and it was more like with the road there which is was the big I suppose a lot of this um, I was giving us was the um, the diversion you see the N73 diversion won't like look it's brilliant you're getting the N73 done the realignment there in Clower Waterdyke but the traffic was coming to Mitchelstown and they were going on to Kildare when they got to Kildare they realised that they had to divert so they were actually going over by by roads and local roads as opposed to in Mitchell's send them to Pomoy on by the N72. So that caused 
huge problems even down around Rock Mills in Kildare. There was a big craze there. I know how many people send me pictures that they were after bursting their tyres and, yeah. and I did report into the emergency. And I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that every council uh, all over, every council all over the county are hearing yeah. from their, their constituents complaining. Yeah. See, roads has been. We're always seeing that. We're just not getting... Like, the funding we even get into our own area here, um, I have to say our engineer here makes great use of it, and he's brilliant. But, like, they are re- so restricted. There's not enough money coming to our roads. No way, not for the local roads. It's too... It needs to increase, especially now with the cost of materials. You know, we're, we're, we're worse off because the costs have gone up. Mm. So we do... And we do need out more okay, outdoors. So back, back to central government. But in, but in the meantime, then... Could the council generate any funds? I mean, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on Dublin City Council looking for the hotel bed tax, and they say the money raised would then be used by the council to fund services and uh, amenities. I mean, they're talking. I think that they reckon in Dublin they could make 12 million a year on a bed tax. Is that something Cork County Council would consider? Gosh, I don't know. Now, as I said, want to come before them, but look, um, I think people feel they're. Pit- you know, stretched at the moment, pinned to the collar with um, the cost of living gone up and everything. It's very hard to have people to kind of pay for road. You know, when you say there, is it something that we can do to help the road situation? Like they're paying their people, they're paying their motor pet tax, they're, they're paying their taxes. They're saying like local property tax. tax. Yeah, that's it, you see. You know, they're all saying like, you know, we're paying this money, like where is it going? Yeah. But costs are gone so high in staff, but it needs, and but, it just needs, but you're government just, needs, yeah, you're just not get, we're just not get, getting enough in Cork. Yeah, 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 we're just not getting enough. That's where we need to be, and there has been ongoing um, meetings with government ministers and that, but like there's nothing coming from it yet, you know. But like we do, Cork needs to get its fair share of the pie. Definitely. Okay. That's the All right. Before I let you go, I saw on the uh, paper today that you were welcoming the news of the the capacity of the sewage treatment plant in Mitchellstown has been increased. I think the capacity now can handle seventy five new uh, additional homes. But along with uh, your uh, fellow councillor. Uh, Kay Dawson, you're stressing that no major expansion uh, can be can be done without the development of a new treatment plant. I mean, that's what's really needed. Yeah, this is only a temporary, you know, we're, we're going to be faced with this issue again um, in a few years' time. But I suppose my argument has been we were supposed to get the, the, the capital works done up to 2021. Then that went out to 2024, and now it's been pushed to 2025. So, like, this is a piecemeal, but, like, I know we need it and I welcome it. But we still need to get to keep the capital program on the table because they're like seventy five hours it's lovely, but like it's not going to solve the long term problem. And also if there's any industry or any um factories or anything coming to town, there is going to be a problem. Like we had a nursing home refused recently yeah. there because of the um storage issue in Mitchell. And town. nursing home beds, uh Deirdre are so badly needed. Oh, crying out for them, Patricia, because that's the problem in our hospitals. You know, the discharge is so slow that they um, that they're, that the beds in the hospital are taken up. You know, they should be at discharge, you know, to step down for um, some patients. They don't need medical, um, what do they say, attendance, but they need a, a, a sport at the same time because people bringing um, elderly people or anybody with, um, with, say, injuries or anything home, they need support. They might need respite for a little while. So they're being caught in the hospital because there's nowhere to bring them. There's a lot of house people out there. They have big elderly that they don't have the resource, they don't have the support when they come out. You know, okay. the houses aren't able, aren't adaptable, yeah. or, you know, they don't have carers or whatever. 
So there is there is crying out need for okay. nursing homes. Okay, listen, Deirdre, appreciate you, you taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you for that. Thank you indeed, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, for more uh, Councillor Deirdre O'Brien. Um, just a couple of, just kind of staying on council uh, issues. This is on the salting of the roads and people complaining that roads aren't salted, particularly near schools. John contacted us. He said, I did salting for Cork County Council. I did it for about 15 years. He said, when I was doing it, he said, uh, the road that he uses as an example from Donnerail to uh, Buttevant, he said, now now what they do is they stop at Ballyellis Cross and don't go any further. The Buttevant side is very hilly. We used to go and salt uh, that. Now, John is talking about it was, when he did it, it was over 15 years ago. He said, we never stopped at the junctions we just kept going he said every village that had black top on it he said we would salt it uh, but it's not been done anymore see again I, I take it it's all back to cutbacks and uh, resources he said another road that is much travelled now is Scanic Killer Cross outside Mallow heading towards Fomoy that is notorious John said for ice and now it's not treated so he said 15 years ago he felt they were much more proactive the engineer would ring he said we'd go out and do the job um, and he's, he said it feels like it's forwards we're going instead of backwards yeah and the council will defend it uh, John by saying that they simply don't have the resources available uh, to them and uh, Gary says why are the council spending so much money in every town in Cork extending footpaths while the roads next to the footpaths are crumbling extending the footpaths where there is a narrow road is not making any any sense in many towns and villages where they extended the footpaths it's very tough for two trucks to pass each other and most of these trucks need to enter the towns in order to deliver goods um, such as food etc. They're wasting money Gary feels on these very wide footpaths particularly while roads are falling apart. Just on roads uh, Colm says um, Eamon Ryan uh, seems to have a bottomless pit of money when it comes to building greenways, bus lanes and cycleways. But when a community needs a few potholes filled or some resurfacing done, they are simply told no funds available. And that uh, comes in from a column by WhatsApp. And somebody says, hi, Patricia, just to say that I regularly travel to Limerick and to Kerry. And every time on my return, it's very obvious you're back in Cork. How do you know you're back in Cork? Because the roads are inferior. 0818103103. Now, Cork hoteliers have welcomed comments made this week by the Minister for Tourism, Catherine Martin, that she will continue to seek a further extension of the 9% VAT rate for the tourism and hospitality sector. To discuss why this move would be so important, I'm joined from the Cork branch of the Irish Hotels Federation by their chairperson, and that is Joe Kennedy. Good morning to you, Joe. Patricia, good morning uh, to you and uh, very good morning to your, to your listeners. And you're very welcome to the programme. Is it fair to say that many hotels and guest houses are still very much in recovery mode following the pandemic? <coughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's a, very, that's, a good, um, that's a good way of looking at it, I suppose. Uh, we, we're only, we only got the green light, really, from all the uh, restrictions that we dealt with uh, phenomenally over the last couple of years, last January. So we, we, we got the green light at the end of January and... Um, Thankfully, we're, I suppose it takes a number of years to recover after after a pandemic as such. But um, we definitely we're, we we definitely have only come through the first year of recovery in our industry. Um, and unfortunately, looking out at the moment, we are looking at a lot of headwinds. And um, that's why this key point of nine percent battery is is imperative that is kept at the end of February to the to the current. Um, 
uh, appropriate VAT rate for the industry uh, at nine percent. Yeah, currently nine, um, and it's it. When is it due to go back up to? It's thirteen and a half percent, isn't it? Which thirteen and a half percent, which would be a fifty percent increase on 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 the, on the current nine percent. But just to be clear, I suppose just from from our industry in particular in our federation that we are very grateful for government support over the years and particularly during COVID because without without those supports our industry would be worse than where it is now. Um, so that's very grateful. The, 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 the temporary measure of the VAT rate was, was also put in during that period to, to again help the industry um, as it was done out when, when we came out of recession in 2011. So we are very grateful to the government as an industry, but we really are, are asking them to go the extra mile um, at the end of February and extend it out. Um, hopefully for they might see it as the, the appropriate VAT rate Indefinitely. Yeah, and of course, it isn't just hotels that the lower VAT rate. It's, it's right across the hospitality industry, isn't it? Uh, c- uh, correct, uh, Patricia. So you would have your all your restaurants, um, <clears throat> your, your hotel accommodation, um, and any bars that do um, do food in particular. Um, there is a, there is two VAT rates in our industry. Just to be, just to be very aware of. Um, people always talk about the nine percent VAT that rate but we really on another score we in our beverages um, which in our drinks industry we we are charged 23 percent that but that's also very very challenging which is sometimes unspoken about in our industry but the nine percent in particular is just to uh, food and to uh, accommodation Not accommodation and um how how does that tourism vat rate how does that compare with other european countries um at the moment, I suppose it, at the nine percent, it actually it um, favours very good for us, and that's that's that, that's really important, I suppose, from a, a European and from a further afield part of it that we are seen as a very competitive um, country in, in in our VAT rate. We currently sit in the, in the middle of the European um, VAT rate. Um, if uh, and we do sit under actually we sit under Spain at ten percent, Italy at ten percent, and France ten percent. So they're, they're all. They're all set for a number of years at that at that level. The nine percent gives us a chance to um, attract overseas customers and be more competitive in that space. If it is if it is if it is brought back up to the thirteen and a half percent, we will actually be the third um, highest in Europe wow. under Den- under Denmark at twenty five percent and under the UK at twenty percent. Um, and then wow, we'll be it's we'll a be big next difference. Yeah, so it's, it is a big difference, yeah. and I suppose. Like we we are a fantastic country, um, region, regional Ireland, all of Ireland is is, is um, world famous for hospitality, and we need to just continue to grow it, continue to to create jobs, particularly in rural Ireland where the majority, a lot of uh, regions, um, rely on tourism, and a lot of your listeners in our regions that that that, that, that they rely on tourism and love people work in the tourism industry so I think just the first that we keep it at the 9%. Yeah there's a lot of nervousness about it going back up to 13.5% because it isn't just the VAT rate that you've got concerns uh, about. I mean the cost of simply doing business has skyrocketed I mean your energy costs are through the roof They're through the roof Patricia but nothing I suppose look we we were all of Ireland all industries are are, um, all households you know every 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 one of your listeners is challenged with some um, increase, and no doubt in the business and those persons who own businesses, they can see it at the forefront. Unfortunately, like when we talk about having to pass um, pass prices on to our customers, that's not the right 
you know, it's nobody wants to do that. But I suppose I I, in, I run a hotel here in the city. Um, it's a hundred and one bedroom hotel, and I can see my own <coughs> costs um, have gone through a couple of quick examples. Um, in 2019, as a as a um, as a unit, we paid 120,000 for utilities, which would be energy, sorry, which would be gas and electricity. Last year, we we've spent 460,000, so it was nearly oh. three. 300 or sorry 300 percent increase um on in that time um that's and incredible that's, it's incredible and that's you know we've, a lot of your 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 listeners will 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 understand that when they do open their 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 bills now again in fairness to the government they have supported the industry with the, the tebas the temporary business energy support scheme again which we're very grateful for but it it, it, it is happening live um, that the cost of doing business is really driving up the cost of the consumer, and that's another part of the nine percent VAT that it's 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 crazy to think that they'll increase it by fifty percent when 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 inflation is just hopefully coming uh, leveling out at eight point two percent in December. Um, so the, if any any increases to consumers uh, spend again is going to drive it, keep driving inflation, which is unfortunate. And do I take it from that you would be against this notion of uh, the Dublin County Council suggesting a Dublin hotel room uh, tax to help fund the local authority? I know hotels in Dublin very yeah. much against it. Absolutely. Look, I just think that look, it's a, it's um, it's only come on um, stream in the last couple of weeks. I've. We haven't really delved too much into it, but it would be crazy. Um, I don't think the customer, they're not, they wouldn't be in a position to 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 pay that, and I don't think it would be great. It wouldn't be a reflection, good reflection on the hotel industry when when we're when we're when we have to charge the current prices we do. Um, so we wouldn't be in favour of it. Yeah, and of course the worry is that if it goes ahead in Dublin, then other local authorities around the country might decide to introduce it as well. Yeah, exactly. Look, and I, I do sense. Look, uh, even for running, look for, for. I know. I know your last caller. Um, um, you know, the, the road system. Deirdre O'Brien. Uh, yeah. Deirdre, like to be fair, uh, I, I I sense from the, like in all government departments, it's it's getting it's 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 getting tougher to to run the department cost wise. Like, you know, so there is a there is a there there is a wider scope to this whole cost of living. Um, that thing, a lot of things are being affected across the board. So look, I don't think I don't think we're out of any. Um, it is all about recovery, and it's very turbulent out there at the moment. Right? So okay. for a lot of people. And for does finally, Joe, are, are you getting the sense that many hotels will end their contracts to house refugees in return to the tourist lets? It is a hard one to call, Patricia. Look, we we um, we as uh, I suppose first and foremost as this whole emergency crisis is none of us thought this time last year would happen. Um, I just hope that all the media coverage and the, the isn't isn't um, going to affect the the, the 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 Ukraine refugees here in Ireland just on a personal level because it's not nice hearing on um, about hotels maybe ending contracts and charging ten euros and five euros and so on and so forth. I hope individual businesses will do the right um, uh, thing by the, on the humanitarian crisis, but it is very much so up in the air. Hopefully, the government can think wider um, on how to provide accommodation for the refugees. And not, um, and not in, be relying on hotels and guest houses. And not being relying yeah. on things, because we're, we're not, we're like, as, as the industry is in recovery mode, um, with, with a certain amount of stock held up at the moment <clears throat> in the emergency crisis, it might limit the, the sort of tourism, the tourists coming into the country on a wider scope of it, providing other uh, small coffee shops, 
theatres, um, small restaurants. We rely on that tourist to be there spending things. So hopefully the government, and I'm sure they, they, they look, they, they'll, they'll have to take time over this as well to think of um, alternative accommodation measures to um, provide comfort and safety to, to Ukraine refugees. Okay. All right, Joe, we leave it there. Thank you for that. No problem, And uh, thanks uh, for joining you. us. Uh, good morning no to you. That is uh, Joe Kennedy. And Joe is chair of the Cork branch of the Irish Hotels Federation. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Don't forget you can email the programme throughout the morning and indeed when we're not on air our email is always available to you corktoday at c103.ie Now some of your commentary coming in on uh, issues we've been addressing firstly just on the condition of the roads at the moment because there's still this status yellow warning is still in place for icy conditions for at least another hour they're in place so just uh, be careful um, Eileen was on to our C103 Facebook page to say that the road from Lis Griffin Butterfant to Cantork absolutely treacherous when she was on it a couple of hours ago sheets of glass and there hasn't been much of a thaw since so it's possibly those roads are still the same and then we had a listener in West Cork is wondering would any of your listeners please be able to help me I'm wondering would it be safe for me to travel from Cook, Crookstown out through Bay and Nablaw and then on into Copeen would the roads still be very icy I'm afraid of icy roads oh and I'm the same I absolutely I can drive in any kind of conditions but don't give me icy roads I, I really don't like them at all um, if anybody has been out and about on those particular roads Crookstown out through Bay and Nablaw and on into Copeen if anybody's driven on those roads say in the last hour what were the conditions like can you let us know so I can relay the information to this listener that has contacted me well, if we don't hear from anyone that's been on the roads lately I would suggest waiting if you can hold off until this afternoon because we're expecting that the temperatures will go up a little bit not by much but from the ice warning ends at 12 midday from Met Aaron so you would expect into the afternoon uh, driving conditions should get better so if you can hold off that would be my suggestion but in the meantime we'll see if anybody's been out driving from Crookstown through Bailnablaw and on into copying what would the road continue like now some of your thoughts coming in on topics discussed this morning on the Irish Hotels Federation uh, calling on the government to please leave the VAT rate at 9% don't put it back up as it's expected to do to go to 13.5% uh, somebody says Patricia hoteliers got greedy and the only reason they took in refugees was uh, for money the representative from the Irish Hotels Federation is talking about a humanitarian crisis and now they're willing to throw them out because of the tourist season uh, uh, pockets well lined now uh, that's a bit unfair Where, what would the government have done if those hotels and guest houses that made themselves available remember at the time we were talking about last uh, last February last March when we were still partially in lockdown and people weren't you know so we certainly weren't having a lot of travellers from overseas and even ourselves we weren't travelling around uh, that much so beds were available and what would the government have done if those beds had not been uh, available so you know I think you're wrong to jump in and say they were greedy they were trying to keep their businesses and their workers going uh, as well and someone else says uh, Patricia that 9% VAT rate does that apply to hotels where refugees are saying staying the reason I ask is uh, I tried to recently to stay in a hotel and I was being charged 520 euro for one uh, night I'm wondering where that was that hotel in Dublin because we know there is there does seem to be a discrepancy about house about night staying overnight in a hotel in Dublin versus around the country. Now that's not to say that we don't have expensive hotels here in Cork as well we do but certainly there's a big difference between staying overnighting in Dublin and overnighting anywhere around the country but 520 and I'm assuming a room for two. 
for one night seems very very excessive indeed and I don't know from the tone of your text whether you booked the room for 520 or not 0818103103 and then we were talking about the council and the council officials are not defending the potholes they're, they're accepting that we have really bad bad condition our roads are in really bad condition all over the county but the council officials are saying we don't get enough, and we've known for many years that we don't get enough funding from central government because of the amount of network the amount of roads that we have in this uh, county compared to a smaller uh, county we just don't get the same level of funding if you do it per the amount of road that we have to look after and there and the council officials are saying look it's climate change we've had excessive rain and then add on to that we're not getting the proper funding and they're saying it's nothing to do with lack of manpower even though the outdoor staff in the council I think has dropped in recent years by something like 33% a couple of people reacting to my chat with councillor Deirdre O'Brien on that topic Dennis says Patricia in Mill Street the council widened the footpath and narrowed the road particularly on the junction for the McCroom road. Now Arctic tr- trucks have to put their rear wheels up on the footpath in order to take that corner. Also they have a step on the new path which surely is a trip hazard that is from uh, Dennis. And someone else has said a fortune was spent on Donorail Street on their, on their street escape uh, including doing up the paths and they got their paths extended as well didn't they in the name of God you didn't need a college degree to see that the footpaths were okay in Donorel the council gets so much funding yet every time they seem to be running out of ideas of what to do it with with what to do with it I say put it all into the roads and that's signed by a loyal listener Heidi said it was hi Patricia it was great to hear Councillor Deirdre O'Brien from the Fromoy Electoral Area speak on your programme this morning. I totally agree with everything that you had to say, uh, particularly Deirdre's big bugbear is the amount of water that's running off the fields and onto our roads. Heidi said, I have reported to the council only last week the state of the N71 going out of Skibbereen and into Clonakilty. It is terrible. All the roads here in uh, West Cork have some kind of issues, be it with potholes or be it with the surfaces. What are we paying our taxes for? Uh, says uh, Heidi. Somebody else says workers don't seem to get direction, particularly when opening gaps with diggers to drain water. A digger opened a big gap on at our ro- roadside lawn. The water ended up flowing through our well-maintained lawn after that gap was dug. I had to follow the machine operator to try to get it patched up and I asked him who gave, gave the directions and he said he didn't know but the water ended up flowing then onto the well-maintained law which is rather frustrating. Tom says I have to say the amount of money that the council Tom feels wastes. They put too many men onto a job and he cites for example the a spray hole filler. He said I met a group the other day of five men around it including the driver if this was a private contractor the driver would have been the only one there and you and also please ask the council why they don't use more black top it's just ridiculous and that's from Tom John in Abbey says uh, Patricia people are talking about the man with the shovel and you know something when they talk about the man with the shovel they're right that man would have known the local area so well he knew exactly where the water was flowing from he knew the dikes and the drains and he knew how to keep the area uh, clear there is a lack of local knowledge 
and that's causing big problems at the moment. And then John on a slightly different issue says he was travelling into Mallow recently and he came in on the old Cork Road. He counted four speed ramps along that particular stretch of road. John feels there are simply too many in that particular area. And yet he said if you drive around other areas of Mallow, they don't have any speed bumps and some of these areas really need to have them in order to slow drivers down. So he's wondering who makes the decision as to why some areas get the speed bumps and then some areas don't do not. Well, I take it it's officials uh, at the council decide they send the experts out and they decide which roads need speed bumps and which do not. And we've spoken many times on the programme with residents who've been calling on the council to put uh, speed bumps in, particularly in housing estates, you know, if the cars are driving at excessive speed, it is because it does slow cars down, and particularly if you've got children out, out and about um, uh, playing. 0818103103. And Mary said, wants us to put this out as a shout out to see if others agree or disagree. Mary said, have you heard of anybody complaining about the smokeless coal? Mary has had to make the switch from smoky coal to smokeless coal because of course everybody has to do that now you can only buy smokeless coal Mary is finding it useless anybody else finding it useless compared to the old coal that she was uh, using also Mary says do you know that we are the only country in the EU that has to use smokeless coal are we the only one in the EU? I wasn't, I'll look into that. I wasn't aware of that, I thought, because we know it's been done for uh, climate change and carbon em- carbon emissions and trying to get the smoky coal, trying to get people to stop burning the smoky coal and other fuels that cause damage to the, to the climate. I thought it would have been right across Europe. And Mary reckons we are the only country in Europe that has this ban that we can only use smokeless coal. But on her other point, have others who've had to make the switch, who had been using smoky coal and then they've no choice but to buy the smokeless coal. How are you finding it? 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. Part-time sales advisor is required to work 20 to 25 hours per week. It's for William O'Brien Public Storage. Hybrid working structure is available. CVs please to info at publicstorage.ie. Full and part-time bar staff are wanted the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow. You can contact Kieran at 022-58200. Fitzgerald Construction are looking for ground workers and general labourers. It's for work in the North Cork area, 87 And ward personnel, they're also recruiting for ground workers. If you've got any kind of experience, please, in pipeline, uh, excavation, drainage or concreting, they'd love to hear from you on 021-233-9120. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Court today on C103. 
Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c103.ie. Now, as we've been hearing here on the programme, there has been a huge outpouring of not only shock, but great sadness at the news last Friday that uh, Timmy O'Sullivan, may he rest in peace, the man in his 60s, had been found dead in his little townhouse in Mallow and his remains laid undiscovered for the last two decades. Paddy O'Brien, well-known advocate for elderly people here in Cork, said sadly, it's not an isolated case. And Paddy joins me. Good morning to you, Paddy. Yeah, good morning, uh, Patricia. Yes, no. and indeed, it's a very, very sad case, and I feel sorry for his family. I read in one paper that he was um, uh, born in 1989. That would make him... Um, oh, sorry, 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 my apologies. 1939. Yeah. That would make him 85 years of age, and it's very, very, very sad, regardless what age of that is. Yeah, but they're saying he would have been in his 60s when he passed away. I see. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, of course, yes, 20, yes, yes. 20, 20 but 20 the, whole, the whole situation is very, very, very sad. And I think I will concern not specifically now about uh, the late Tim O'Sullivan, but the amount of sudden deaths we're hearing, we're hearing too frequently now people who are found dead after a certain length of time. Last year, on the Black, uh, two years ago, in the Blackpool area, we had one man, I think it was six months, and shortly after that, another man, I think it was about three months, and last week, another man in the Madden's Buildings area for a short length of time. But they were all people found dead. Now, I think we all have a very important role to play. We all must be more vigilant in relation to elderly people. I think it's very important. We just can't pass a house and say, oh, yeah, Charlie Murphy lives in there. Now, I met a gentleman last week, and he said to me, in relation to the recent Blackpool one, he said, that he said, I missed him, all right, and I was going to call. Now, that, that, that approach, that attitude, that mind, frame of mind is totally wrong. If you have any doubts or a person you haven't seen, knock on the door or tell, tell the guardie. I think what's very important as well, Patricia, is this, that in this country at this point in time, we have a total of 54,000 elderly people over the years of six, 55 years of age living alone. Now, I think far more must be done for them, especially those who are housebound. And I think the public, the, um, the, the HSA should provide a health care service, community care service, in relation to more public health nurses out of the district. And what I would suggest as well, I think there should be a visiting committee in every parish, in every city parish, in every county parish. Just keep your uh, record, should be... Um, made up of the, the people living alone and that they would always have a knock on the, on the door to make sure that they were all, all right. Yeah, because um, we, over the years we certainly would have heard of rural postmasters who would have called or would have contacted a family member if an elderly person who always turns up every Friday morning at nine o'clock to c- collect their pension and if she wasn't seen at nine o'clock on the Friday morning. I guarantee you Friday afternoon, the postmaster, the postmistress picked up the phone and rang someone to check to make sure that everything was, was OK. Yeah. But of course, we're losing a lot of our post offices. And that, and that is so definite. But in, in the context of the post office, I had made this suggestion to the, um, to the social welfare department in Sligo. And I had this discussion with them after the two tragedies in the Cork area. First of all, I wrote and I outlined what had happened, that these people were found dead. And what I said was this, is that in the event of a, a person not picking up his pension after five weeks or six weeks at the post office, that, that, uh, that uh, a light comes on and the, the um, post office people are informed of the situation. Then what they do is this. 
they write to the recipient of the weekly payment and they tell them that he hasn't paid it. No, that's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Writing, when they find out a man hasn't, a man or woman would not have collected their pension for six weeks, and then they write them, I said, you should tell the guards. It's the guards should be notified, the guards in that specific area. And they said they were going to bring that into effect, but obviously it, 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 it never, never happened. No, I'm not saying it's going to save all lives, but I think it could help to some extent that if, if a person became ill and they were in bed and they couldn't help themselves, but um, the fact that they weren't picking up the money... It has but to be the government, Paddy, are pushing more and more people to do all their business online, and they're certainly pushing older people to get their pensions just paid into a bank. So the post <laughs> office would never know if somebody hadn't collected their pension or not? Oh yes, uh, they would. Oh, they would for definite. That's, uh, that's, I, I researched this myself two years ago. I went to a, polo, a post office and I asked them what is the situation? And to they informed me, they said, Paddy, after six weeks if the money has been collected, he said, no, um, has not been collected, the, so the head office is contacted in Sligo they, in turn, then, would write to the recipient of the weekly oh, yeah, payment. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm aware of that, Paddy. The point I'm making, if somebody's pension is paid directly into their bank, and oh, they sorry, t- yeah. well, some, that's different. If some, so, yeah, exactly. But uh, and not, um, I, I believe I saw figures recently, I think about 85% of the population had their monies paid, uh, Patricia, to the local post yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I saw I saw a, a local, one of our own local Mallow-based councillors, uh, Lee Madden, and he was saying, you know, I mean, obviously he's deeply shocked about what has happened with that, Mr Sullivan, and he was saying going forward, he was saying exactly what you were saying, if somebody doesn't pick up a social welfare payment, uh, if a, a, a utility bill, like a gas bill or electricity bill isn't paid or somebody hasn't turned up for medical appointments, he said some kind of a trigger system should yeah. should kick in. Well, it, 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 it is there. It, it, that system is there and it has been there for a long time. But what has happened, when they eventually notice it and they're informed about it, but what happens, they turn around and they write to the recipient. The recipient is very ill in bed or the recipient could be dead and then there's a letter out in the hallway. It's of no use, yeah. The point I'm making is no ignore the letter because in a situation like this, time is of the essence. We're talking about to save a person's life. They should ring the guard, the station, in that area. And there's no trouble. I mean, these cases don't crop up every week, but when a, a, a situation like that would arise, that the people in Sligo would just say, OK, Johnny Murphy down in the crew, or Johnny Murphy in Mallow, or Johnny so-and-so here, that um, they'll ring the guards and notify the guards. But, um, and then what, what do you suggest if the guards arrive and they knock on the door and they don't get an answer? Are yeah. you saying fourth entry? to be, it has to be a forced entry, yeah. It has to be a forced entry. And I'm saying that we're talking here about uh, saving lives. And I would stress very uh, this morning on your programme that um, I think we must all change the attitude of take my thought because going back for many years now, any tragedy such as the one that happened to Mr. Sullivan, all I'm listening to in every area that say, um, we thought, 
we thought. Now, in Madden's buildings in Cork, they thought he was going down to Bantry. Another person, they thought he was going to visit his sister. Another thought, uh, a lovely couple down in Clonmel, Mr and Mrs Kennedy, who were found dead after a long period as well, in their home, they thought they had gone away. But, uh, I, but I know in, in um, T- Tim Sullivan's uh, case, it's understood that friends had called uh, to, yeah, to the yeah, property. And I think I heard this. a sister called to the property as well. But neighbours were saying, oh, he's, he's gone to the UK. And, you know, they they just took that I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I would say, to, I, I'm not, I'm generalising, and I'm being very clear. I'm not specifically speaking now about Mallow. I am not speaking about Mallow. I'm speaking about what happened in Madden's building in Cork on two occasions, one in the Glen. I'm talking what happened down in Clonmel. People obviously, we thought, but I am saying is this. That frame of mind is totally wrong. If there's any doubt, you should knock on the door yourself and find out is the person okay. And I think it could, it could save. Lives. Yeah, but what's yeah. very important, as well as I, as I said, the outset is that the public health nurses, despite the fact that we have um, fifty-four thousand elderly people now living alone, the services have never has never been increased for the, for, for the people in the, out in the community, community care. Um, the, the, we could do with more, far more public health nurses working, calling on the elderly, and I'm not saying I'm not asking for. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. To every elderly person and saying housebound, the people who are housebound, an elderly person who is housebound, at this point in time, they're left alone to fend for themselves, trying to administer all that administration, uh, medication, what have you. And I, I think it's a miracle. It's a miracle, I think, we don't have fatalities amongst the elderly. Yeah. I'm dealing with cases and at the wha- moment. And, Paddy, what about people who are private and keep very much to, the, to themselves and don't interact with neighbours and don't interact with any, anybody in, in the community? What do you say to other people who live near somebody like that. Well, I, I would still say to, say to people, I mean, knock on the door and as long as the person will open the door, 
said they're alive. You're okay. You, you're not going to ask them out. You, you're, not, you're not inviting yourself into their house. Just making contact at the door to make sure. And the purpose of the call would be to make the sure the person is all right. Yeah, do you need sure anything? Yeah, do you need anything? I'm hopping to the shop. Yeah, and, and said to the person, I'm going to the shop. Do you want a loaf of bread? Do you want a bottle of milk? Yeah. Do you want so and so, so and so, so and so? Making sure, and I, again, I know, and this is my third time saying it, because I can't overemphasize it more. Don't throw all the years that I've been associated with tragedies like this. I mean, I've listened to people reporting back. Regrettably, they always said they thought something. I thought he was gone to his mother's house, his father. I thought he was gone. I thought he was gone here. I thought he was gone there. I thought, but can't you just be sure? Just be sure. Get it confirmed that they have gone wherever yeah, it is. They have gone, and if, and if you're doubtful, yeah. go to the guard. Go yeah. to the guard, and the guard will, will help by all means. That it can do, get, it can do a, a force entry. And if you but, do, if you do have concerns that you feel, you know, somebody's very vulnerable and maybe is not looking after themselves, is it is it the public health nurse you contact? Who do you contact? Well, the thing is, is well, the public health, the HSA, the HSA, and it's a I know it's practically impossible. To get to get any help today from the HSA, um, and, um, I was dealing with a case from the um, the fifteenth of November, when I highlighted an appalling case in Cork, and this woman was living in a desperate, desperate, desperate conditions, awful altogether, and um, she was sleeping on the floor in a council house, practically in the middle of the city, and she wanted medication. I wanted to get her home help. I want to get her public health nurse. I want to get her meals and wheels. And that was on 15th of November. And not one thing was done for that lady. And last Sunday week, she was transferred to hospital. And there was no one contacted me in the meantime to how she was. Her conditions were... She was promised everything. I brought out a community welfare um, officer to the home. That officer brought a social worker, and I was promised, oh, yeah, grand. And I went on another radio station, and I said, the wheels are motion. Thankfully, this live woman will have a decent life. She'll get means and wheels, home and help, and a list of other things, and not a thing would happen. I don't have much faith, quite on The nurses work very hard, but it's in the system, it's administration. That we have very, the nurses are very, very weak on the ground, and I think that the elderly people are being treated appallingly. Do we just not have enough public health nurses? Are they we just don't have enough of public health nurses, Patricia. We don't have enough of home helps. Well, that's, that's a that's huge issue. That's yeah, a huge and issue. Word, I, there were, I, I remember a time, if I was asked for home help, back 20 years ago, if I got a call in the morning at 10 o'clock, I'd have a home help that afternoon. I mean, something is wrong. They're not spending the money. And I, 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 I look at it Well, they can't you. get the staff, is what they're constantly telling us. They can't get the staff for one reason. For one reason, they're not paying them enough. They are not paying them enough, yeah. and they do wonderful work. They have to pay them um, um, a decent a, a, wage. Exactly, a, a decent wage. I mean, it's hard work dealing with elderly people, and that is the reason. There's only one reason. I mean, there are people out there crying out for help. Their young mothers, they drop their children off at school. They could do that kind of work, provided they got a, re, a good, a good. Yeah. Um, and how is that? How is that uh, a lady? In, in she's still in hospital. She's still in hospital, and I'm saying this: that I just don't see where she lies. I am not exaggerating for one moment. I leave my house. I went on Christmas morning to see was that lady all right. And she was sleeping on the floor. 
five minutes walk, five minutes walk on Patrick Street. Five minutes walk on Patrick Street in the worst conditions I've seen in my life. When I brought out a community welfare officer who was independent of the HSE and the, the street in town brought out a, a social worker and looked at the situation. And for weeks and weeks I was looking after and after three weeks I, I got a bit annoyed with them and I wrote and I said, what's happening? I said, I, I brought this very serious situation to your notice and you didn't even ring me to ask me, is the lady still alive? That bad weather we had before Christmas. Yeah, they I, really don't know how, I don't know how she got through that. Now, she was taken to the hospital last Sunday night week. For a few days, she was seriously ill. I, I did have to make contact with her sister. She hadn't spoken to her for years and years. And I met the sister. She said that she was she was seriously ill, but she was in, in, improving. But, of course, she can never go back to that house again. That lady was not fit to look after herself. She's only fit for long-term care. Um, she lived in a house provided by the corporation, and when she got the house, there was no lock to the door. Our door was opened all night for eight months. My God. Yeah, or just and it, yeah, and it, and the one thing that that story is showing that this isn't a, a rural issue. People can live in large urban areas or indeed right bang in the middle of the city like you're talking about, be lonely and, and be abandoned. Yeah, I will tell you something, Patricia. I was in a certain part of the city um, last Thursday, I was looking for an address, and I was looking for a number, 99, 99. And I went to this lovely semi-attached house. The houses were about 30 years old. And um, this lady came out, nice lady, and I said, excuse me, I said, I'm looking for so-and-so, so-and-so. And I, I had them do a correct name, and she was a bit confused, and she said to me, um, I know, I said, such, I gave her the song name, and I said, there are no numbers up. I said, um, I'm looking for 95, such, such an area, a well-known area in Cork. Mm. No, she said, I'm 97. And I said, um, I'm making up a name here now. I said, are the Murphys living next door? Oh, yeah, I don't know who's living there. I don't know who's living there. She said, there's a man, I think, anyway, I think and I think, I think his name is John. I said, are you new here? No, no, she had many years. And that's another example. Yeah, but know. the houses in the city where there's a high con- concentration of elderly people. People don't know who lives there. They don't know who's living next door. Okay. All right, I have to leave it there, uh, uh, Paddy. Listen, thank you for that. And, and, mm-hmm. and thank you for the, con- for the fantastic work that you do and your con- continued concern uh, for older people. You're, you're, you're a great, great advocate. Uh, nice we'll, spe- we'll speak again, Paddy, but thanks it's for that. Yeah. And okay. uh, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank bye bye. That's uh, the wonderful uh, Paddy O'Brien, well-known for his work, of course, at the Over 60s Italian Company. But I think of, of late, he's more better known for the work he's doing in trying to help out very vulnerable elderly people, particularly those that find themselves on their own. I'm going to abandon Garda Station uh, for this week's Garda Fire, where I'm joined by Garda Francis uh, Murphy. Uh, good morning to you, Francis. Good morning, Patricia. And very well. And uh, you want to start by uh, mentioning our late colleague, Paddy Palmer. Yeah, Patricia, just... I suppose on behalf of Angarda Shikana, I would just like to mention the recent passing of your colleague, Paddy Palmer. Um, the whole community was heartbroken, to say the least. He was a gentleman. He was a pillar in the community. And we would greatly like to pass on our condolences to his family at this sad time. Thank you. That's really appreciated. Thank you uh, for that. OK, you want to start on the uh, Garda file today with fraud and economic crime, uh, and in particular in the Clonakilty area. 
Yes, Patricia, it's continuing, unfortunately. So we're, again, trying to just stress to people how it's so easy to get caught. Um, there was an incident recently in Clannacilty area where the injured party got a message, a text message from on post, allegedly, stating that he had to pay a fee for a parcel. Now, these messages are flying around the place, so if anyone gets one, just ignore it. Go into the post office and make an inquiry. Um, it followed on that he got a link, which he did click on, and unfortunately there was a total of a large sum of 7,000 taken out of his account. Whoa, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, yeah. So, I mean, they are going around, you know, people are getting these messages that you need to pay two euros or whatever. And once you go into LinkedIn, they have all your details. Yeah, and I think in the run up to Christmas and just after Christmas with parcels getting delayed and people were waiting on parcels uh, to come through. So, of course, when they saw it, they said, oh, that must be the parcel I'm expecting. Yeah, it is. And look, we all had orders in online and it's easy to fall into the trap, but just Calling to post office in person is the safest thing. Yeah, yeah. And certainly don't click on links where you've got to give any kind of bank details without checking out who you are actually dealing with. Now, there was a burglary in the Yall area that happened this week. Yeah, in the Yall area, there was um, an individual went outside just to collect their bins during the day, left the front door open, um, returned to the house, and after a period of time, went to get their car keys uh, to go out in their car and realise that their car key was removed from the house. So obviously they believe that somebody entered the house while they were missing, getting the bins. It only takes a few minutes. Um, again, we're stressing to people, you can't be too careful. There are opportunists out there that will take advantage of any situation yeah, that they and, can. And often as not, the car key was left probably inside the front door on you know, a hall table or a sideboard or something. And of course, if somebody passes, sees the front door open, realises the owner is distracted because they're, getting, they're sorting out the bins. It's it's seconds is all it takes to grab the keys and they're gone. Seconds, yeah. It's, am, ah. it's amazing how it takes such a short time to take an Be advantage. Be careful where you put yeah. your, car, your, your car keys. And uh, a theft of tools from a van in Charleville. Yes, this occurred where... Um, the work vehicle was parked up and it was locked, but the rear passenger window was um, pushed open and the tool bag was removed. Um, it contained quite a large amount of tools, I think around 2,000 euros worth of tools. Uh, you know, a lot of these tools are small, they're easy to carry, but they're worth a lot of money. And that can be the difference between a workman being able to do his job and not able to do his job. It's just, it's awful when that happens. Yeah, I suppose one bit of advice I would give to people there, there's so much technology available now, Patricia, you know, even having a dash cam, or you can actually get cameras fitted to your vehicle that are activated if somebody comes near the vehicle and they're recording. So they can be a deterrent because they're flashing, usually a blue light. Mm. You know, they can be a great deterrent. If you have expensive tools in your van, you know, it might be something worth investing in. Okay, and scrap metal was stolen in Crookstown? Yes, this is, I suppose, an ongoing issue. Again, it's just to make people aware of the security around their yards, their farmyards, workyards, workshops. Um, This metal was removed from the yard. You know, it was an open area. It was sitting there waiting for whoever to take it, and they took it. Um, Again, you know, just maybe people need to think about their security around their areas you know lighting 
alarms, maybe CCTV, gates locked up. You know, do everything you can to make it harder for them to take your property. Okay, we started the the program after after Christmas by talking about the theft of of livestock uh, and really upsetting um, on the the farmer in particular. You want to remind people that that's, that continues. It continues, Patricia. Not so much in the last couple of weeks, though, but it's very unusual and it has come more common. So, if anyone sees anyone around, you know that they're not local. Cars sending out, or there's a trailer cattle box. You know, report it to the guards. If it's someone genuine, there's no harm done. Again, we'd encourage farmers to keep their gates locked, keep lighting if it's in the farmyard, you know, have sensor lights, plenty lighting, possibly CCTV, but anyone that sees anything anyway suspicious you know, just to report it to us so we yeah. can and look a, into And it. a lot of farmers in rural areas know their area really well and they know who lives up the road, who lives down the road, what kind of car, what kind of a van, what kind of a tractor everybody has. So, you know, get suspicious if you're spotting, uh, you know, an unknown car in your or van in your area that's cruising around. Exactly. And as I said, if it's someone genuine, then there's no harm done. Yeah. You know, it's just to check it out. And I suppose this is where the community alert groups come into play you know, we rely on the community and the public to give us the information at times and we're very grateful to members of the public for their, you know, they, when they do contact us. Okay. Okay, and I know we started this morning uh, by warning people about the conditions of the, uh, the roads and indeed the footpaths. I know we had the National Ambulance Service uh, contact us just to tell people to be careful when they're out and about because they had an increase in calls uh, this morning from people slipping on ice. Uh, but the, the roads and the forecast tonight is bad again, Francis. Yeah, I think there's more frost coming. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, all we can say to people is just to be vigilant, you know, make sure you've got good tyres reduce your speed drive with caution and only take necessary journeys don't be going out just for the sake of it it's to keep everyone safe that's our main priority and uh, the main roads i suppose are gritted they're not so bad but you never know when you're going to hit a spot of black ice and i know a lot of the back roads because the ice and the snow have been compacted you know they can be sometimes more dangerous yeah yeah absolutely and all like as you said the footpaths I know this morning a lot of places the footpaths were very dangerous and there was a lot of falls so just keep it in mind when you're out and about to stay safe. Okay, we've I think another day of it and the temperatures are set to rise I think across the weekend. All right, listen um, Francis, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks Patricia and Happy New Year to you. Many happy returns. Bye bye. That is Garda Francis Murphy uh, based out of Bandon at Garda Station. Huge reaction can I say uh, to Paddy O'Brien and people saying you know what an amazing man Paddy O'Brien is we'll get to your uh, comments uh, after news at 12 and also huge reaction to Mary one of our listeners who was wondering how other people are finding the smokeless coal because our Mary not happy with it at all and she's wondering are others feeling the same way we'll get to all of those comments all coming up after news at 12 midday Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your commentary coming in 
uh, people reacting to Paddy O'Brien who advocates on behalf of older uh, people and he, spoke, he always speaks with such great passion but you could really hear it in his voice uh, this morning he's almost getting exasperated particularly when he is drawing attention to the powers that be of cases of somebody very vulnerable somebody very elderly somebody living on their own that really needs help and the help is just not forthcoming now I know if we get on to the HSC they say look we're trying our best and you know we have one of the staff and the, you know there, there'll be all reasons as to why they didn't react or react quicker particularly in the case of, I can't get that woman out of my head living on her own sleeping on, on the floor in her house uh, with the front door that doesn't even close goodness me how vulnerable was she anyway a couple of your sample of texts and comments coming in about Paddy. Uh, somebody says, well done to Paddy O'Brien for the way he has brought to light the plight of our older generation. He is so right in everything he had to say on your programme today. Uh, may God bless uh, Paddy and people like him who just care about others. And that's just signed by a loyal listener. And thank you for your loyalty. Someone else says, what a wonderful man is Paddy O'Brien. He's always does so much good for the elderly and he, he does get work done. Hi, Patricia. What Paddy O'Brien is saying, I totally agree with him. I know people who have been told they have got the job of a home help and five months later, they are still waiting to call to people. They still haven't started. Why does it take so long? And that uh, I can't get out of my head, that poor man in Mallow and the boarded up house. How did nobody check on him? Well, you know, people were trying to check, but because they they thought that he'd gone to England, he just somehow seemed to slip through the slip through the system, I suppose. Um, uh, Back to Paddy. Hi, Patricia. I agree with Paddy O'Brien. There are simply not enough public health nurses and definitely when it comes to home helps, we just don't have enough. You don't have to be living alone or you don't have to be abandoned to be failed by the system. I was a full-time living carer for my mother and that was up until December of last year when she ended up having to go into a nursing home all for the want of home help calling. I would have needed them to call three or four times a day for literally 10 minutes to help me with her mobility issues. It is the system in this country that is broken. Instead of of directing funding to the home help sector, where it would help keep more people out of nursing homes longer, the state accepts the exorbitant costs of a nursing home for someone who really doesn't need to be there. We who has somebody willing and able to mind them in their own home, but all we're looking for is a little bit of support, but who is now taking up a space in a nursing home that somebody else might really need. My heart is literally broken that my mom is now in a nursing home and I just couldn't get the support and I can't get the support to bring her home. Oh God, that's just, it's, that, that is really, really heartbreaking. And particularly when you've been doing the care and you were getting on so well and it was just that you needed that extra bit of help and you're not on your own. What was the, is it six and a half thousand people have been identified as needing home help and, you know, in order for them to stay in their homes and to stay either independently or in your, your case looked after by a loving daughter and there's six and a half thousand people that they just can't get the home care staff. They, they say it's a, a recruitment and then a retention issue. But Paddy called it out and said they're not paying them enough if they you know if they want to get these workers they need to pay them uh, properly hi patricia what a great man is paddy o'brien looking out for the lonely and the forgotten the old ireland has changed big time if we could only buy time says a kildallery uh, listener 
Hi Patricia, I think anyone on a pension and living alone should have some kind of a watch with an alarm on it and if they were sick or they fell for example they could push the button and call for help but that's that's Jason Amala that's the, that system is there that's the panic alarm buttons there they're there already no not everybody uses them uh, uses them but uh, they certainly are there and they're great for anybody who is living on their own then on the thank you by the way for all those calls and texts that came in uh, f- uh, following our chat with Paddy and then a huge reaction to the smokeless coal that was kicked off by Mary, one of our listeners who's just recently switched over because she can't get the smoky coal anymore. She has to use the smokeless coal. Not happy with it at all. Dermot in Inna Shannon says that the smokeless coal is great uh, in that it doesn't destroy the chimney or the fire. But he said it's not so great to start a fire with. Dermot also feels that the heat is not so strong. So there's pluses and minuses, according to Dennis in uh, in a Shannon. Uh, Emer says the smokeless coal is useless to burn and she should know she has been using it in her stove. Tim says, Mary, your listener is spot on and is right about the smokeless coal. I also feel it's useless. It takes ages to light. And then, I don't know if anyone wants to agree with Tim on this. Tim says there's a gassy smell from it which you didn't get from the old traditional coal. And by the way, says Tim, I've tried all the different brands and they all seem to be the same. Hi, Patricia. Smokeless coal is trial and error. You have so many different colour bags. You really have to try all of the different bags and then you might be lucky and find the one that is most suitable for you. And I'm assuming you found the one that is most suitable for you. Thank you for that. Mary in Mallow says regarding smokeless coal, it seems to burn very fast. I seem to be shoveling shovelfuls of it uh, every night into the fire and I am burning it in a stove. If anybody agrees there, that's with Mary in uh, Mallow. There was some texts in as well saying Mary is right. That smokeless coal is useless. It's no good for heating you or heating your house. I use the smokeless stove glow in my open fire. I do find them brilliant. They are a coal nugget. If you want to tell Mary about them. okay, stove glow if she wants to try and get them. Hi, Patricia. That woman is telling the truth. The coal is no good. What a joke. We can't burn what we want. That's from a North Cork listener. Marie says, I agree. Smokeless coal, useless. A pile of ashes and no heat. I think it's a waste of money. Someone else said there's no great heat compared to the old coal. And another Mary says, I echo Mary. Coal is a waste of uh, money. You have to burn it with other fuel. That is the only way to keep it going. Okay, that's just a sample of the calls that we and texts that we have in had in to do with the smokeless uh, coal. And then thanks to Councillor Declan Hurley. He was reacting to our chat earlier with uh, Councillor Deirdre De Ford about the roads and road maintenance. Declan says, in relation to the condition of our roads, it is fair to say how Cork County Council maintains our roads has changed over the years, all for the worse, I have to admit. Health and safety eats up so much of the resources that could go into maintaining a road surface together with reduced outdoor staff on the ground. We're on a downward trend ever since the day they took away the man with the shovel off the road. We've been seeking a meeting with the Minister for Transport since since Councillor Gillian Coughlin was mayor and our current Lord Mayor uh, Danny Collins is now halfway through his year in office and still yet no confirmation of a meeting with the Minister for Transport. Despite, despite he 
renewing our request for a meeting with the Minister. This is showing utter contempt towards our calls to meet with the Minister. We need money to maintain our roads here in Cork, not cycleways. I have no confidence, unfortunately, in this Minister to help our crumbling road infrastructure. And that signed, yours in frustration. Councillor Declan Hurley texting us from... um, West Cork and I did make that point thanks for that Declan I did make that point to Councillor Deirdre Ford that she's not on her own I'm I'm assuming every single councillor across the county is inundated with constituents contacting them about particular roads in their area and then a different texture says uh, hi Patricia I went into the local council offices complaining about white lines wanting them to be put down on the Inchidani Road that had been done eventually. But I also asked for the yellow lines to be replaced. They disappeared when they laid the new uh, tarmac. But that has not been done. As a resident on the Inchidani uh, on the Inchidani Road, and unable to get in and out of my house during the summer, these are very necessary for our sanity. And can I say also for your safety? Nobody wants to get locked into their house because a car is illegally parked. Also, speed bumps you mentioned earlier. Speed bumps speed bumps would be an asset as nobody takes any notice of speed limits. So also a call please for speed bumps to be put on the Inchidani Road. Thank you for that. And then a couple of completely different random things coming into the programme. Patricia, we constantly hear about mortgage interest rates and how they've been going up and they have been going up repeatedly certainly right across uh, last year. But we're not hearing anything about interest going up on deposit in the bank. Surely it's time for the interest rates uh, to rise, yeah? And for ages, people had money in the bank and it was costing them nothing. If anything, in some cases, if they had a large sum of money, the bank might have been actually charging you to hold it on deposit. Any word on interest on, if you're lucky enough to have a deposit in the bank. And then Louise is wondering, would any of our listeners out there have any idea on what Louise can do with some of her late mother's cookbooks? She said, I've kept them all. Um, and there's a few I'm personally going to keep, but I'd love to know if they're of interest to anyone. Don't, you know, would hate to throw them out. All oh, you definitely, definitely don't throw them out. If all comes to all and we can't get a suggestion for you, Louise, I will be saying go into uh, any of your local charity shops. They would be delighted. And I'm sure there will be a lot of people who go into charity shops, deliberately go into charity shops looking for books, would love to go through old cookbooks and might spot a cookbook that maybe they had themselves or maybe their mum or grandmother had it and it could bring back all kinds of memories so if all else fails and we don't get any other suggestion for you my suggestion would be pop along to your charity shop but does anybody else have suggestions for Louise as to what she can do with her late mother's cookbooks because she certainly is not going to just throw them into the bin for recycling 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county See corkcoco.ie Kildallery Community Development they're holding their weekly lotto draw in the community office at 4 o'clock this afternoon jackpot €6,900 a used clothes collection is going on at Gaggan Hall this evening, half six until half past seven for you to drop off your used clothes, please. And students of St. Angela's College in Cork are staging The Wedding Singer. It's in the Firkin Crane running from tonight right through to next Saturday at 8pm every night. Tickets are €15 Euro and they're available from the Firkin Crane website. 
And Declan Nurney and his full band will be playing at the Glen Theatre in Bantir. That's happening next Sunday night with their tickets available from 029-56239. And the Clondrohit Development Group, who had rescheduled their adult Christmas and New Year get-together for January the 22nd in the Community Hall, has now decided to postpone this event. And that's in light of the high level of coughs, colds and COVID and RSV that's circulating at the moment. They'll let us know when they have the new date. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is Court Today on C103. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork Today at C103.ie. With uh, Francis, uh, Garda Francis, earlier on our Gardafi, we mentioned a scam where somebody was caught out in uh, Clonakilty uh, recently and lost €7,000. It was one of those on post scams. You need to be so careful. Mary in Domamway is highlighting another scam. She said her brother received a text message claiming to be from their mother. And the text... The gist of the text was that Mary's mam was at the train station and she needed the brother, her son, to transfer 250 euro because she needed to get a taxi home. The text then contained a link to transfer the money via IBAN. But the text came up on Mary's brother's phone as ma'am. And now they realised very quickly that it was a scam, but others may not, as it came up under the number of the person that, you know, Mary feels with so many phones now, we've all of our information stored in the cloud via Gmail, for example, that scammers are somehow accessing the details this way. Previously, all of those numbers would have been just stored in your SIM card and nobody could have got access unless they got access to your SIM card. You could be right, you could be right. And those scammers are just so good from a technology point of view. They're so good at what they do. I just wish that they'd use that knowledge and that expertise for good rather than for bad. But that's certainly a new one on me. I have heard of others, though, getting text messages purporting to be from sons and and daughters and people sending our money. So you just need to be very, very careful and do not fall for the scam that normally is from a son or a daughter claiming, oh, you know, because they're they're it's a different phone number it's coming from my phone's been stolen or my phone's been lost or the battery has died I'm using a friend's phone never ever fall for those kind of scams John in Skull this is on road conditions when you drive up to the top of Skull and you turn out the Kula Road there's a secondary school plus Skull Hospital and from there and from the library corner until you go past the graveyard, the road is in such bad condition. Why can this road not be tarred with black top like so many others? It is an important roadway and it's a busy, it's a busy one. I was down in um, Skull last year and it's, it's a busy, busy uh, spot for sure. 0818103103, still getting in texts and calls on smokeless cold. It's a positive one from Noreen. It says, we're using smokeless cold. We think it's fantastic. We're using it in an open fire and the dirt on the walls from smoky cold around the fire is all gone. That's a real, real plus. Mairead in Kilmichael says, I have to sit at night with a duvet and hot water bottles as I can't afford to light my fire until six in the evening. But certainly I agree with so many of your callers today, Patricia. The heat is not as strong as it was from the smoky uh, cold. Definitely the smokeless cold doesn't seem to throw out as much heat. Mary says, Patricia, I've been using the thermal coal in my fire since October of last year. Find it fantastic. 
much cleaner to use. I have a back boiler and radiators all been fed from that open fire. Heats my whole house. Plus I've gallons of hot water. I'm absolutely delighted with it. So that's thermal coal. And I don't know how that differs from the other coal that we have been talking about uh, this morning. Uh, Smokeless coal, it burns out the grate, according to Anne. It simply is no uh, good. Someone has an interest. Oh, somebody has an interest in Louise's cookbooks. Okay, hang in there. That's Siobhan in McCroom. Hang in there and I'll see if I can put you in contact with, I'll get John Paul to look into that. I'll see if I can put you in contact with Louise. We can get you to exchange uh, phone numbers and, uh, but um, you're interested in the cookbooks, which would be great. I mean, I know all Louise wants is to make sure that they go to somebody who would really like them because she just doesn't want to dump them. So thank you for your text. Bear with us, uh, Siobhan. Quite busy at the moment, but we'll see what we can do about putting you in contact with Louise. And and my apologies that I haven't gotten to everybody's texts and commentaries today because there literally was too much. But one that I do want to get to came in from Michael earlier on this morning. And I do want to get to this because this is to do with Holly Kearns has often joined us on the programme. And I know John Paul has uh, reached out to Holly Kearns to see will she join us on the programme. Uh, we didn't get to her today, but I'd love to chat with her maybe tomorrow. But Michael says, Patricia, hi. It is with the purest of disgust that I learned this morning about the fear that Deputy Holly Kearns is living under because of some sick fellow stalking her. It really is sad, sick and shocking that it's happening here in West Cork. Immediately, there should be legislation rushed through the doll on that kind of carry-on before it gets out of hand. And it should come with a minimum five-year jail sentence. How many other women and politicians are in the same boat as Holly? I fear for the wives of the TDs who are away in Dublin all week, thanking you. Well, we do have stalking legislation that we fought hard to get stalking legislation in, uh, but um, I, I take what you're saying that this is for specifically for public uh, representatives. And it was Holly who came out today and has revealed she's had to cancel constituency meetings with voters because of a disturbing stalker who keeps turning up at her home and has left her absolutely terrified. Um, Holly Kearns, of course, is a Social Democrats uh, TD. She has responded very seriously to the threats from this man by installing CCTV. She's now got a new security system at her home and she had to take advice from the local uh, Gardaí. And she's not the first, unfortunately. She's the latest politician to come out and describe some of the horrific abuse and harassment she's had to endure as a young uh, politician. And I saw an article in the paper saying that you know, she actually doesn't know what she'd gone into politics if she had realised that something like this could happen to her, which is really, really uh, shocking. And I really hope it doesn't uh, change her mind and doesn't stop her going forward again as a politician. And of course, the problem is that when cases like this are highlighted, if there's any other young female, and that's what we need for our politicians going forward. We need young men and young women to put their heads above the parapet because it's it's uh, for all the tea in China, I wouldn't do their job. But we need good people to come forward to stand to say, yes, I would like to be a public representative. I would like to represent my area to the best of my ability. But if we have more cases or hear more cases like that, the fear factor is that um, 
more young people won't go forward. They would just be fearful. Well, if that can happen to Holly Kearns, what's to say that it couldn't happen uh, to me? So as I say, we have reached out to Holly and we are hoping that uh, she could be maybe available tomorrow. I'm, I'm really interested in talking more uh, to her. And Martin has been on to 0818 103 103. He comes in defence of, uh, is he in defence of smokeless coal or not? He says, I am on the smoky coal. He's on the smokeless coal for the last four or five years. Thinks it's absolutely brilliant. I get what's called super blend. I buy it from Murphy's in Barrick Street and I find it really good. It heats my home and I also have a back boiler, which means he's got piping hot water as well. So there's another one in defence of the smokeless coal. Patricia, the smokeless coal is a dead loss, says Marion Kinsale. You'd have more heat from a candle. Not happy with the Green Party. They're a waste of time. They won't be cold. Thank you, Patricia. Enjoying your uh, show. And another Mary. Lots of Marys listen to this programme. Smokeless fuel is a tad like briquettes. It's not as warm. So could that be one of the reasons why it burns faster and you end up with so much ash when you go to clear out the grate? This is the Court Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 It seems a number of Cork families have reached out for support after becoming distressed by the treatment of their loved ones in nursing homes and calls are being made for more inspections of homes, particularly outside of visiting hours. To discuss this in more detail, I'm joined by Magella Beatty, who is the chair of Care Champions and Care Champions are an organisation that uh, campaign for residents of nursing homes. Good afternoon to you, Magella. Good afternoon, Patricia. How I'm, are you? I'm very well. And you, once again, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, can you first of all outline what kind of complaints are you hearing from some families, particularly here in Cork? OK. Um, there seems to be a lot of issues around um, nursing homes being very short on staff. You know, I was speaking to a family only this morning where... Um, it, when they went in, there was staff out sick and there was one carer looking after 22 residents. So therefore, as a consequence, obviously, this person's loved one hadn't been out of bed, hadn't got any personal care, hadn't got any support with with nutrition. Um, so that's a very, very common one that's coming up at the moment, you know, around just less staff, even more so than normal, and the, con- and the direct consequences then to to residents. Um, people are finding that there is less activities, you know, while activities had improved for a bit uh, after the lockdown or whatever, there seems to be less activity coordinators and less engagement or activities for residents to participate during the day. Uh, families are finding that they have nowhere to complain to. And I suppose that's kind of been an ongoing issue, you know, and many families are afraid to complain. And you know, you know, you're particularly in a private nursing home, and um, you don't have like an office of confidential recipient. You're first um, step is to the home itself, and it's really that depends on the specific home and their complaints policy and how serious they will take that concern. And then you really, 
you don't have many other options after that. Yeah, you know? and actually, the, you, I think you've hit the nail on, on the head because we certainly over the years would be contacted uh, by people who were worried about a loved one in uh, a nursing home. And we would always say to them, well, have you gone to the nursing home and, you know, uh, explained your, your concerns? And it was, oh, I'm afraid to do that uh, because I'm afraid of losing the the bed and you know my mother is there there's yeah. nowhere else for her to go and I remember in one case uh, some family decided no they weren't happy with the care uh, that their elderly mother was getting and they did complain and they were eventually told well you know what you can do you can take your mother elsewhere and their point was there was n- there was nowhere else Yeah that's very regular occurrence and unfortunately you know we've supported many families um, in the last couple of years and like that for complaining and uh, their loved one has been evicted or a really severe threat to eviction. And then enormous, like, you know, normally when they would get that threat of eviction, um, they would say something like 28 days. And then when they would contact us or, or any other organisation, you're trying to support them, OK, we need to get it in writing, we need to go back and look at the contract. You know, they don't actually have an issue with the residents. And it's really cruel and unfair because at the end of the day, most family members are going in with genuine concerns that need to be addressed and you know it's wrong you know it's really wrong and is it purely down to understaffing well you see government has there's so little regulation over private nursing homes um overall and there is no um there's no um there's no staff ratio in in nursing homes which is is there not no there's none uh, now, we've, now, I know that Minister Butler has referred to it and they're talking about bringing it in, but there is none at the moment. Um, so there's always been issues around, you know, the, differ- the differences between private nursing homes and public nursing homes. And I suppose COVID really shone a spotlight on that. And it's only deteriorated since. And, you know, and in saying all of this, I just do want to also highlight there are some nursing homes they are doing exceptionally well. Brilliant. And, there know, are brilliant nursing homes, let's be honest. Are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um but like and but but one person who's not having a good experience is one too many. And unfortunately it's far higher numbers than one too many. And like it's shocking that we still have people back at windows. Like how can we be this far on um from the pandemic and still have people back at windows? Like, you know, all over Europe, in Northern Ireland in twenty twenty a care partner type scheme was brought in and we're still here campaigning for it and we still have loved ones. Like, look at the weather in the last week with snow and you can imagine a husband or wife, elderly themselves, standing trying to look in a window. Yeah, and because it's so cold, you can't even have the window open to have a chat with the person. No. So no. you're literally looking at somebody. You might as well be home looking at him on a on a FaceTime uh, call because it's, it's it's just not the same. And that that's causes added worry for families because they feel if they can get in every day to check on on their loved one you know that they'll know they're okay but when the visit when the visits are limited it does put an extra level of stress for the families doesn't it because then they're really worried that their loved one isn't being looked after absolutely and you know eyes of families are protection you know if you're in a nursing home and like 80 percent of the staff is gonna sick or whatever at least if you're going in you're known that you're that, that person is going to be fed. You know that they're you're going to help them with tea, you know you're going to help them with personal care, whatever it is they may need. So it's a benefit to a nursing home as much as it is to the resident and to the family. And it's extraordinary to think that we're still dealing with the same concerns now 
that we were at the height of COVID. Not in the same numbers, but still the same concerns. But we're back and we've we've had a couple of different discussions this morning and it, it seems to, uh, the same problem is trickling through them all and that is uh, trying to get staff. I mean, we had Paddy O'Brien, who's a great advocate for older people on earlier and he was talking about home care packages and, you know, the lack of home care packages. And I was saying that's down to they can't recruit staff. And he said, well, if they don't pay them right, they're not 100%. going to be able to recruit staff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's very sad to see like, our Minister for Older People like she, I can't just recall the exact figure that um, she said we're going to bring in workers, care workers from outside the EU and um, that's all well and good. But we have loads of carers here if they are treated right, if they're getting the proper paying conditions, the same as HSE staff are getting. You know, people need to make a living, they have bills to pay and they can't be driving the roads for nothing. And it's the same in private nursing homes. And until they bring in um, a standard rate of pay they need to make caring an attractive career and the need to appreciate the work that's done by carers. And yeah. when that's done, we've lost the carers. Yeah, and actually we had a, a, a lady contact us when we were discussing this earlier today. Absolutely heartbroken. She had been her mother's full-time carer, living in with the mother, looking after her. Uh, and then she needed some home help a couple of times a day to come in to help with the mother. It was, it was a mobility issue. Uh, couldn't get the HSC, couldn't find the carers. Her mother now since December has had to go into a nursing home. She's heartbroken because she doesn't want her mother in a nursing home. But she also makes the point it's taking up a nursing home bed for somebody who might genuinely need it, where she's willing to look after her mother at home. But the support isn't there for her. I never was, you know, just before COVID. um, That's actually how I started Care Champions was around home care. Um, When the home care embargo was brought in, so before COVID happened, the HSE put in an embargo around um, around around home care packages and hours, and people were literally getting none. I even recall myself at the time, I've lost both my parents since, but I could get no support at all. I literally did 24 hours a day, up all day and all night, for often two weeks at a time, with no support, with somebody with severe dementia, that you would that will get quite distressed at night and a very ill man and I could get no support. Like and it hasn't improved. And realistically, if you look at the whole crisis in the hospitals, you look at our whole healthcare system, it all actually boils down to a broken community care system. Like if the community care was there, like how many people are living in nursing homes who want to live at home? Yeah. They have no choice. They're they're not you know, they're they're not being given any control in their own lives. You know, I know of a person who had to go into a nursing home because they couldn't get 30 minutes twice a day home care. You know, we need to go back to basics. We need to fix community care. Like we have people holding up beds in hospitals for up to six months because they can't get it, you know. And and is it six and a half thousand people have been deemed suitable that they need home care and they can't get the workers? Yeah. Yeah, hi uh, Patricia, listening with interest uh, to uh, the lady you're speaking to, that's uh, Magella Beatty from Care Care Champions Um, and she certainly is speaking the truth today. I have uh, a relative in one of those uh, nursing homes I went in at evening time, she hadn't been fed. The food had been placed in front of her but there was nobody there to feed her. When I looked, checked into it, they said oh sorry, the staff shortages. There was nobody to complain to so I got on to HICWA and HICWA intervened. My advice is always visit a 
at meal times. At least you can help look after the, your, your loved ones. Hikwa take a bow, says uh, a Kerry listener. So Hikwa got involved. But you're calling, thank you for that. And um, you're, Magella, you're calling on Hikwa to change how they do their inspections. The government, yes, absolutely. But you see, Hikwa themselves have come out and said they don't have enough teeth. You know, they don't have the power that they need to have to be able to regulate to the extent that they need to. And that was very clear. Like, I even think there's still, I don't know, that one or two cases where nursing homes actually brought HICWA to court to prevent the publication of a report on their nursing home. You know, we need, we need our regulator to be able to go in and regulate. And if they deem and find that residents are not safe or whatever it may be, the, re- the families need to be informed, not just read it six months later on, on the website, but it will need to be calling any time of the day, night, um, five o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock at night, um, breakfast time. They need to be calling. And, and all, the, all, and, uh, all inspections by HICWA need to be unannounced. 100%. This idea of doing announced inspections, I think, is just laughable. Yeah, yeah, and like I know. Best foot forward, aren't we all going to be great if we knew there was an inspection happening? Yeah, 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 and I know some of the staff that we support. They have told us, and you know, they're all coming in for extra hours, and the next thing Hickle is there, and the next thing their hours are cut back again the next day. Uh, uh, hi, uh, Patricia. My late mother always said that no one cares about older people. She died in hospital in 2020, alone with no visitors allowed. Uh, and she was on a non-COVID ward. I was my mother's primary carer and I had absolutely no rights. There should be a dedicated phone line in hospitals for families and uh, plan ahead if they are to be locked out of hospitals in the future. I support a human rights-led inquiry and a legal right for a care app. Uh, partner and I'm sure it's just heartbreaking when you know somebody's looked after their mother so well and it, there's so many of those stories isn't there particularly the ones coming out from COVID uh, It's horrendous you know we're having um, an event in Dublin on the 28th of December which will be the first event of its kind and it'll be a one-off event and basically it, well now the, the title of our day is Care is Better When Loved Ones Are There and it's a, it's a double event really it's um. It's, we're looking for a legal right for care partner and we're also calling for, as that text just said, um, a human rights-led inquiry. You know, and this is going to be the opportunity for the family voice to be heard, to tell the people of Ireland what happened to their loved ones and what their experience is in nursing homes. And, it's, and like we have wonderful speakers on the day and it's in no way... Um, it's a day to try and bring solutions to the table to try and make life better for everybody. Um, so on the day we have uh, Vivian Guerin, who is the chairperson of the Irish Association of Social Workers, um, Celine Clark from Age Action. Um, we have the, one of the campaigners for Care Partner in the North. We have a nursing home family actually from Cork um, is, our, is representing the nursing home family. We have um, somebody who loves somebody in a hospital in, uh, in a Dublin hospitals represent the hospital families. Then we have um, the, the human rights experts who our families have worked with over the past years. They've done a human rights analysis on um, the experiences of people, particularly people who lost loved ones um, during COVID, and they're going to launch their documents, which they've already launched with IRIC, and give a, an update on, on where they're at. 
So it'll be a lovely event. That's a public event. There's also an event in the afternoon, which is private. It's not the media, just to support families and just, you know, for families to be able to link in, link in with each other. I'll, I'll tell you, so many families need so much support having lost uh, loved ones in just awful conditions. Just it, it was, It's just really awful. So many people are saying planned inspections by HICWA um, are absolutely uh, ridiculous. Um, okay, oh, and one other one. Um, a listener wants to know what, what do you suggest she does. She's discovered that her mother has been put to bed at six o'clock in the evening, and she said when she checked, they said, "Oh, we don't have enough staff, so everyone has to go to bed early in order that we can do the handover for the the night staff." My mother is very fit and able, loves to watch TV and interact with people. I can see her going downhill uh, because of this. Are they allowed to do that? The nursing home. They shouldn't, no. That's completely against our human rights, apart from anything else. If that lady wants to contact us, we can give her support as she works through that system. But basically, she needs to put in writing to the nursing home that um, her mother is not to be put to bed at 6 o'clock. She needs to CC that to HICWA. She can contact the patient uh, advocacy service and her mother can get a patient advocate. They've um, got the funding uh, for private nursing homes just this year and they're very good. Uh, and also let HICWA know. And is that common? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's what we're hearing all the time. I go in at 2 or 3 o'clock in the day and my loved one hasn't been dressed, they haven't been fed, they haven't been supported to get out of bed, they're losing their mobility um, because there's nobody there to get them up. God, it's, it's no country for old people, is it? Is it? It's shocking. Really not. And then, <sighs> like, what's happening on the trolleys, it's, like, it's never been as bad. And, you know, and... You know, until we actually have the political will, uh, nothing will change. And I think to force a political will, we need the people to force political will because government will only do what people are interested in. And we all have to remember we're all getting old. That's we're all it. going to need care. Our day will come. Absolutely. Okay. Listen, uh, Magella, uh, as always, pleasure to speak with you. Um, I can hear, is that your little dog in the background? I'm sorry, Never. I have him down in another room. He's a spoiled. You're okay. I let you. I let you wait to him. He's missing you. That's the problem. Listen, Magella. Pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Thank and, you. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining bye us. Bye. That bye is uh, Magella Beatty, um, who is chair of uh, Care Champions, who are an absolutely wonderful uh, organisation. I was actually in advance. I knew Magella was joining us today. I was actually on a line. They have a really, really good uh, website if you want to look them up. Care uh, Champions and that event they're holding, hosting now. It is in Dublin, but maybe you'd like to travel to it. It's in Dublin City a University on the Glass Nevin uh, campus and they are holding that uh, talk. It's a, a Saturday afternoon session from one and a half past uh, two on the 28th of uh, January. But I think some of the stories that will come out of that, I think, public uh, discussion, particularly the lived experience of residents, family and staff who uh, during COVID times, I think will make for incredible uh, listening. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richard for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.